Welcome to the preaching ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler, Arizona. Our desire is that God would be magnified through the preaching of His Word, and that Christians would be challenged, strengthened, and edified in their personal walk with Christ. What a great privilege it is for Debbie and me to be here again at Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler, Arizona. Uh, I've had a lot of fun uh, being a sister uh, church in Kansas City, uh, Tri-City Baptist Church in Kansas City. It's uh, been a joy already to meet several who have come to me and said, we were in your church in Kansas City. And uh, we're getting to reacquaint and uh, be able to uh, see some of them again. And it's so encouraging. And you did hear me say Kansas City, did you not? Uh, No booing in the auditorium. And by the way, I will be in church tonight. How about you? Please uh, come back because... uh, Tonight, I will be uh, talking about what the Bible says about communication. When we talk about families, when we talk about marriages, uh, the world even says there's two major problems, finances and communication. And when you don't communicate about your finances, then you really have a problem. And so we'll be uh, finishing up tonight uh, with a session on communication that I, I need And I try to practice, but hopefully it is something that uh, will be helpful to you tonight as well as you come back to the evening service. And could I also uh, uh, greet our friends from Mexico? Where are those folks? Andreas's parents. Where's Andreas's parents? Uh, Nice to have you here, sir. I uh, went to Mexico every year for about 25 years. I went to Mexico every month for a couple years because our church helped start the Christian University in Guadalupe, uh, the, the Christian University of the Americas there. We just celebrated 30 years of ministry last year. I was able to be back there in Guadalupe to be able to rejoice with all the brethren, now totally under the control of Mexican nationals and uh, so thankful for your faithful service there in Mexico. I love you. I love the, the brethren there. And... Uh, can't speak your language except uh, be able to communicate heart to heart. You may have heard of Valente Hernandez, who was the first guy that got me involved down evangelist of Valente Hernandez that uh, got me first involved there in Mexico. And Julio Montes, who uh, was the pastor there at uh, Gennesareth Baptist Church. So it's a joy to have you in the service. And pro- Is somebody translating for you or are you bilingual? Oh, he, he says a, a little... So-so. That's kind of like a un poquito espanol, senor. <laughs> I want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 and those that have been at the conference. And by the way, those of you who were at the conference, you were so receptive, so attentive to the Word of God. So I, they, they have set a high standard, all right? So I'm expecting it out of you this morning as well because... Uh, They listened, they took notes, and I'm so thankful that you have uh, notes in your bulletin this morning so you can take some of this truth with you. But we were in Ephesians chapter 5 a lot, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 in Sunday school. Uh, But we started primarily in verse 22, 
And now we're going to be looking at verse 18 to 21. And I know this is profound and this is deep. But verses 18 through 21 come before verses 22 through 33. Do you all get that? Okay, great. So it's very important that we understand this is foundational for everything that we've talked about in the last couple days. This is foundational. But it's not uh, just for couples, it's for individuals, it's for family, it's for churches. It's what's really needed in the body of Jesus Christ today. And I think, sad to say, has been neglected a lot. Follow along with me as I read verses 18 through 21. And be not drunk with wine, where's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Father, I pray that you'll help each one of us today to evaluate ourselves and to make sure that uh, we're uh, controlled by your Spirit, that we have the power that can only come from your Holy Spirit that we're walking in the Spirit so we're not giving in to the lust of the flesh. Lord, speak to each of our hearts today. Might we seek to obey you in all things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of misunderstanding about the filling of the Spirit of God, the power that comes from the, the Spirit of God, the need we all have to walk in the Spirit of God. And I think a lot of times uh, we have avoided that truth because some false teaching that is out there in the charismatic movement. And just because somebody might be teaching something wrong about a certain truth of the Word of God doesn't mean we shouldn't be teaching something right about the truth of the Word of God. In other words, we need to not neglect the Holy Spirit of God, even if somebody might be overemphasizing the Holy Spirit of God. And, and verse 18 is a verse that we all should grab hold of and understand that there is a command here from our Lord, from God himself who gave us the word of God, where, where it says, be not drunk with wine or success, but be filled with the spirit of God. This is what we're, we, we need to make sure we understand, that God wants us all to be filled with the spirit of God. And so we have to look at this uh, truth this morning, and uh, it'll help us to have better marriages, have better families, better churches. It will give us the power to stand in these evil days. So I want to look at three things this morning. First of all, what is the meaning of the filling of the Spirit? What is the meaning of the filling of the Spirit? And there's three truths about the Spirit that we need to grab hold of. Number one is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. There's God the Father, God the Son, and... Okay, you can talk to me, it's all right. And God the Holy Spirit, the triune God. When is the, the, the believer indwelt with the Spirit of God? When does that take place? The indwelling. The time of salvation. Go back, keep... Uh, by the way... We were talking last, you got to learn how to keep your fingers, right? You know, keep your fingers in a place and come back. You know how to do that, right? And you can flip back and forth. So we're, we're going to go back to Romans. So hold your spot and we'll be right back. But go to Romans chapter 8. Romans 
Romans chapter 8. And notice what it says in verse 9. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, notice carefully. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, what's the conclusion? He's not a believer. He is none of his. You you are not a believer until you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. And how do you get the Holy Spirit dwelling within you? You recognize that you're a sinner. You realize that you can't save yourself. You understand that Jesus Christ and Christ alone paid the price for your sin. And you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved. I shared my testimony with the folks who were at the the marriage conference. I didn't hear any of that um, and uh, didn't get saved until I read the Bible for myself when I was 18 years of age. And it was in Romans 3 verse 28 where I concluded, like the Bible said, that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Maybe you're here this morning thinking somehow you're going to work yourself to heaven. No, you're not. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And the only way we can get to heaven is through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, through Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning, you know not Christ is your Savior, talk to one of us. I would love to share with you how you can leave this place knowing you're on your way to heaven, knowing your sins are forgiven. But here's the other thing. Not only do you have a home in heaven when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the power that comes within you to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's the Holy Spirit that comes in at the time uh, that you trust Christ. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But there's something else we need to understand besides the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. There is secondly, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and this is where a lot of confusion comes. Those of you that have charismatic friends, and many of you probably do, or associates, or folks you know, they have this false idea that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is some second blessing that happens after salvation that is evidenced by the speaking in tongues. Now, I don't have time to tear that all apart, but the Bible is very plain that tongues are not jibber-jabberish, tongues are languages. Tongues were understandable. It was an evangelistic tool. It was also a sign gift to let people know that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. It's the United Nations without electronics. You know, it'd be as if I could talk and everybody would hear in their own language. Check it out for yourself in Acts chapter 2. But what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why have they been confused about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where it talks about the, the gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because when does a person receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. All who? All believers, all Christians. Go back, you can go back and on your own time, check it out, chapter one. All those who have ever called upon the name of the Lord. That's all of us that name Christ as our Savior. 
all of us that have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so when somebody asks you, and I've had this happen to me, you probably had it happen to you, do you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I say, yes, I do. Oh, so you speak in tongues. Well, I know a little Spanish. I know a little French. I know a little, but not much. <laughs> I could even say, oh, you know, for you Japanese friends, you know. Now, because they're confused about what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. It's not some second blessing. It's the means by which the Holy Spirit made us one with Christ. We were baptized into the body of Christ. We're all part of the body of Christ. We're brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And when God looks at me as a believer, he doesn't look at me in my sin. Because nothing that defiles shall enter into heaven, the Bible tells us. Nothing. And I'm, I'm still a sinner. Any of the rest of you here still sinners? <laughs> Better raise your hand or you just sinned. <laughs> we're, we're all sinners. We sin. But because I have been placed into the body of Christ, I've been baptized into the body of Christ, God doesn't see my sin. He sees the righteousness of my Savior. And therefore, I have been justified. He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God through him so if you're here today as a, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ you've trusted him as your personal Savior you've been born again you have the dwell and indwelling of the Holy Spirit you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit can I just since we're right here show you a verse that I want you to have and you maybe you have a great pastor so you've you're well taught I'm sure but I want to make sure that you notice verse 22 of chapter 14 I want you to notice verse 22 of chapter 14. Just so if you have some family members or work associates or somebody that's confused about this whole, whole matter of tongues, that you'll at least have a verse and you can just ask them. And always asking questions is a good thing to do. Just ask them how to explain this to you. Because it's contrary to what they're being taught. And 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 22 says, Wherefore tongues are for a sign. They were one of the sign gifts. But notice, go further. Not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. It was to the unbelieving Jews. What are they saying today? It's signed to the believers that they have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's contrary to what the Bible says. Can I just tell you something? Never park your brain at the front door of a church. That's why I tell people, if you're going to church, take your Bible and check the pastor out. Because a pastor says it doesn't make it so. When God says it, that makes it so. And so check it out. Be a Berean Christian. Search the scriptures to see whether it is so. And praise the Lord, I know your pastor fairly well. You're going to find out it's so here. But so many people just blindly follow up a, a religious leader or a pastor, somebody without... Uh, those of all you that were at the uh, marriage conference, the Bible is the, yeah. It's not what I say, it's what God says that really matters. So you have the indwelling of the Spirit, you have the baptism of the Spirit, but thirdly, you have what we're talking about back in Ephesians chapter 5, you have the filling of the Spirit. He says, be filled with the Spirit. But he uses an illustration to help us understand what he's talking about. 
Now, I spent seven years in the business world before I surrendered to preach, went back to seminary, and uh, became a pastor. And so, please forgive me, but I've been around drunks. Um, and some of you have been around drunks. I, and, and you know what happens when somebody that maybe most of the time is rational has too much to drink, right? Any of the rest of you know what I'm talking about? Sad to say, sometimes it's even in your own family you know about it. But what happens when somebody has too much to drink? The alcohol takes control of them, and they do things and say things they never would have said or done in their right mind. But they are now under the control of the alcohol. Well, that's the illustration that God gives us to help us to understand what it means to be filled in the Spirit. He says, back in Ephesians 5, 18, and be not drunk with wine or success, but be filled with the Spirit. So here's here's the contrast. Don't be controlled by some outside substance. Don't let the alcohol or anything else control you, but instead, let the Holy Spirit of God control you. Be under control of the Spirit. So that's what it means. Are you totally under the control of the Holy Spirit this morning? Am I walking in the Spirit or am I walking in the flesh? The contrast that is given to us in Galatians chapter 5. You see, folks, God wants us to be filled with the Spirit. You shall receive power when, Acts 1.8. When the Holy Spirit comes, when he takes control of your life. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of discussion about power in our government today, right? And you really need it down here in the Southwest. Right? You you run from one air conditioner to another air conditioner to another air conditioner in the heat of the... By the way, I haven't noticed. That's beautiful out there today. This is gorgeous. What are you all talking about? And there's all this argument about what kind of power we should have. And I don't want to get into all the debate, but we need power. All the above. Give us power. (laughs) And I'll tell you, we may talk about it in our government and all that with humanly speaking for the power we need for energy. I'm telling you, we need the power in our churches. We, We need the power in the families. We need God's Holy Spirit power. So... I want you to check it out in your own life, in your own family, because I want to give you some marks of being filled with the Spirit that are given to us right here in the passage. The marks of being filled with the Spirit. What are those marks? Well, I'm going to give you five of them, and you look with me as we go through each one. First of all, it says in verse 19, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, He's not saying when he says, speaking to yourselves, Carl, how are you doing today? Carl, is the congregation listening to you? Do you think that you've got their attention, Carl? Do you think they're grabbing hold of you? It's not that kind of talk, even though I do that sometimes. And by the way, you're with me. And that's, that's encouraging so far. I can, you're not saying I can see all the way to the back of this auditorium. This is really nice. So you can, you don't, doesn't help you to sit back there, folks. I got you. <laughs> but what he's talking about you, 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 you love to speak among yourselves. In other words, number one, a, a, a Christian that's filled with the Spirit 
desires Christian fellowship. They enjoy Christian fellowship. I was telling the uh, folks on Friday night after the banquet and, uh, that even though I finished pretty much on time, people stayed around for another 30, 45 minutes. I said, I could have gone a lot longer. Um, but I, I'm glad that that was a good sign to me because they enjoyed being together. They spent time. I mean, the fact that you're even here at church is a good sign. Because this is where the brethren gather on the Lord's day. And you want to gather. That's a good sign. Hope you're not just doing it out of an obligation. I hope you're doing it because you, you want to do it. You have that desire to do it. You desire Christian fellowship. I, I've had these people as a pastor. I don't have to go to church to be saved. Why do you tell me that, preacher? I don't have to go to church to be saved. And by the way, you don't have to go to church to be saved. I was saved, you know, reading the Bible on a living room floor. Now, you don't have to go to church. But if you get saved and you have the Holy Spirit in control of your life, you'll want to go to church. And I, I'm, please, if you don't want to be with other Christians in fellowship and learning God's word, you better check out your salvation. Because remember, the Holy Spirit comes in. And the Holy Spirit desires that Christian fellowship and people that have the filling of the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Uh, now, obviously, we all have to miss sometimes, and sometimes we're sick and we don't feel like being in. You know, I, but I'm just saying, generally speaking, man, it's not like you can't wait to, for everything to get over so I can get out of here. It's, hey, I, I'm glad I have some more fellowship. And some of you do it in your homes, you'll do it at the restaurants, you do it other places, because you enjoy being with Christians. Number two, you will have praise on your lips. You will have praise on your lips. Speaking to yourselves, how are you going to have that fellowship? You're going to have it in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I can tell a lot about a congregation by how well they sing. And by the way, from what I could tell, sitting right down there, you do a great job. And Brother Sturzbach, you know, is talking about the importance of this congregation. It's the most important singing in the church is the congregational singing. And it sounds like you participate, but if you're, bless me, I dare you. <laughs> I don't want to sing. I can't sing. Well, everybody can make a joyful noise unto the Lord. If you have the filling of the Spirit, you want to praise God. That's what he's saying. And, and you, you do it through, through music and you sing. And, and can I give you a little parenthesis here? You know what a parenthesis is in a message? New topic, but important. It said psalms and hymns, and what's the th third category? Did, is that what your Bible says? Uh, by the way, there are some songs that aren't spiritual. I am so burdened by some people that ought to know better that are promoting this idea that music is amoral. There's no right or wrong in music. As long as the words are right, everything is okay. Don't you believe that lie of the devil? I told the folks at the retreat, I said, uh, next to the preaching of God's word, music is the most powerful influence on a person. 
And we need to make sure we're using spiritual songs. And I'll, now, can you hold, in a group of this size, good people may disagree what's spiritual and not spiritual. I understand that. And we can agree to disagree. Okay, again, couples, how do we, can we agree to disagree? Well, I hope we can. But what we must not disagree on, that there is a right and wrong in music, and it's my responsibility for me and my house to determine what's going to be right. So I can please the Lord and have the blessings of the Lord. Parentheses closed, okay? But we, we have to have a praise on our lips that comes, number three, from a joy that's in our heart. A joy that's in our heart, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Even in the midst of trials. One of the CDs that's back there is called Resting, and many of you know that our oldest son, Matt, lost his wife, Julie, at the age of 39 to colon cancer. And, and that CD is some music that the family put together to give comfort and encouragement. But there's a second CD in that same plastic container that is Julie's testimony before she died and then the, the funeral message. And the, if you, I just hope you can see the joy even in Julie. Yeah, even in the, the face of the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And, and Matt, and how he handled that, I could just go on and on. I think all of us would have maybe fallen apart if it wasn't for the, the way our, our son handled that and kept his children's focus, five children's, children's focus on her. No matter what the trial, we can claim Romans 8, 28, can we not? Do we believe it? Do we know that all things work together for them, that love God to them, that are called according to Spirit? You won't be able to handle situations like that unless you're filled with the Spirit of God. And I'll tell you, it'll draw you into that self-examination. It'll cause you to seek out for God. And sometimes that's exactly what God is doing through the trials, drawing us closer to himself and also giving us a ministry to others because Matt has now been able to minister to others that lose their spouse and others that have had to uh, deal with cancer. And it's amazing what can happen. But we will never have the joy, 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 joy down in our heart on a continuous basis unless we're filled with the Spirit. Number four, you will give thanks in all things. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks in all things, whether it's a death of a loved one, whether it's a financial challenge, you know, whether it's a young person that doesn't uh, live for the Lord, or whether it's uh, God saving, uh, uh, good or bad, right or wrong, we thank God all the time because he's still our God and no matter what else goes wrong, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. This world is not my home. Jesus is coming soon. Rejoice. Right? Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord when things are going good, but when it goes bad, panic. No, that's not what it says, does it? It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. And you'll not be able to do that without the filling of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. But then, number five, tw verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Oh, I don't know if your pastor's ever done a series on one another's, one another's, one another's, one another's, but there's a lot of one another's in the Scripture. 
and what we should be doing one to another and ministering one to another and praying one for another and carrying one for another and exhorting one for another and submitting one to another. You know, it, it's a spirit of being willing to submit. As a matter of fact, you heard Pastor mention I've involved in the Christian school movement and worked with a lot of young people and all that. And I, I would joke with them sometimes at Tri-City there in Kansas City. I, I'd say, you know, we have some dumb rules on purpose because you're going to be working for an employer someday that's going to have some dumb rules too. And you might as well learn to submit to dumb rules because you're going to have them the rest of your life. Now, I was just joking with them, please. Now, we tried to make sure our... our but, you know, from the stand, standpoint of the students, they were dumb rules. I'd always try to give them biblical basis and all this for why we had these, these rules. I had a Catholic family that got saved and started attending this school and their kids were there in the school and, and uh, she, they set up an appointment with me and came to visit with me saying, now you've always said that you have a reason for the rules, a biblical reason for the rules. And you said, if we ever had any questions to come and ask. And so, so we're asking um, because we understand you can't have red Kool-Aid for birthday parties or Valentine's Day. Can't have red Kool-Aid. And we assumed this probably has something to do with either Satan and the fire or maybe the blood of Jesus and I but we, we we're just kind of curious what it's all all about now some of you are laughing because now you don't have carpet so you're safe we had carpet everywhere and you know what red kool-aid did to our carpet stained it it was the wrong color some colors would blend in but not red kool-aid and so I said it's stewardship principle of scripture we don't want to have to replace our carpet so I mean but learning to submit, you know, to, I'm telling you, I work in Washington, D.C. on a regular basis, and I'm telling you, I, I've read Romans chapter 13. I preach sometimes Romans chapter 13, but it's sometimes hard to live Romans chapter 13. I like a few amens there, but uh, so I'm not the only uh, reprobate here. But you know what I'm talking about. But I have a responsibility, and the only way I can do it with the right attitude is to be filled with the Spirit of God. So you know what you're probably thinking as we're going through this, and I can give testimony, we're not always filled with the Spirit of God, are we? And that's why the command in Ephesians 5 and verse 18 is given in the present tense in the Greek language, uh, the dirty action mindset. Uh, in other words, be continually filled with the Spirit. This isn't a once-in-time situation. This is a continual needing to be filled with the Spirit. And so we must quickly uh, hasten to uh, what is the method? What is the method for the filling of the Spirit? That's the last, because I want you to go away from here being filled with the Spirit and continually being in the Spirit and realizing it's an ongoing aspect to have the power of the Spirit in your life and in your, in your marriage and in your home. What, what is the method for being filled with the Spirit? Well, just write down C-P-R. One, C, two, P, three, R. C-P-R. How many of you know what C-P-R is, medically speaking? May I see your hands? Okay, what, what is it? Together? Cardiopulmonary resuscitation. Why do you do it? To revive somebody. 
Let me ask you something. Do we need revival? Yes. Do our churches need to revive? Do our nations need to revive? Hey, do I need revival? Continuously. So I, I remind myself of CPR. C, confess your sin. What breaks that re- sweet relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? What unplugs the power from the outlet? Sin. And I'm telling you, we're all in a battle because the devil is going around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we're all in that battle. And we all fail at times. And we have to get up and get going again. And we have to confess again. P is pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. If you ask anything according to my will, that will I do. Okay, let me ask you a question. Is it God's will that you be filled with the Spirit? Is it God's will that I be filled with the Spirit? Yes or no? We just read it. It's a command. Yes. So pray to be filled with the Spirit. As a matter of fact, in Kansas City, and uh, uh, I, won't, I won't quiz you, Dan, to see if you remember this, okay? I just, uh, but um, I've taught spiritual breathing. Spiritual breathing. What we should do in life, how many of you breathe, by the way? I'm <laughs> and you do it pretty automatically, right? You don't think about, okay, I need to inhale, now I need to exhale, I don't need, you know, whatever. You know, I, it was something we just kind of do naturally. Well, spiritually speaking, we need to get to the point where we exhale sin and inhale the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm having a wrong thought. Take control of my mind. Don't let me take, don't let me, don't let me say that. Uh, Lord, I'm, I, I, I'm being tempted here. Please give me the power to overcome. Do you see? I mean, it's a, just a constant way of life where we get to the point where we realize when the devil is attacking or when the flesh is is lusting and we we cry out right then pray confess and pray and we said lord take control of my life don't let that happen don't let me go there don't let me say that don't let me do that take control give me your power it's spiritual breathing but then r and, and this is so important and this is where a lot of people fail rely on the word of god rely on the word of God. I think you know this verse. Psalm 119 and verse 11. Psalm 119 and verse 11. If you know it, say it with me. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Why do we hide God's word in our heart? To impress people. To win quizzes to get the memory ribbon or trophy or whatever. Now, I'm not, can I just tell you, I'm not opposed to memorizing Scripture for quizzing. Or for, I mean, any, any of the Word of God that we get into our young people's hearts. I mean, the first verse of the couples heard, the first verse I taught my sons in the delivery room was Ephesians 6, 1, children obey your parents in the Lord. Because <laughs> I wanted them to practice it. You know, that was just kind of the way it was. But... But you know, it's, we have this idea that Scripture memory is for children and young people. No, Scripture memory is for us so that we can fight off the, the wiles of the devil. 
taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What did Jesus do every time He was tempted in the, in the wilderness? What did He do every time when the temptation came? What did He do? Quoted Scripture. And I'm telling you, I I've, I've, have practical experience of things that just seem to keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back in my life. If I'll just grab hold of Scripture and memorize them so that I hang on to these Scriptures so that when I'm starting to consider something I shouldn't be considering or say, all of a sudden, a Scripture comes to my mind. And, and remember, your speech should always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Or as I challenge the husbands to memorize, husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Because sometimes I feel like preaching a message to my wife. I'm a preacher giving an invitation and telling her to get right with God. Wrong! You know who needs to get right with God? Me, because my attitude is wrong. Aren't we glad that Lord Lord Jesus is long-suffering with us? Then when are we going to learn to be long-suffering with our spouses, with our children, with the church members, with the people at work? I'll tell you what, I need to rely on God's word so I will not sin against him. Hide God's word in your heart. And boy, if you don't know where some of the verses are, you talk to your pastors, talk to your Sunday school teachers, talk to, give, me, give me five verses that I can memorize in this area and hold me accountable for memorizing them so that I can have them ready to fire at the devil. You know, we always talk about Second Amendment rights. You know, we want to be able to Shoot our firearms. Well, we need to shoot the word of God at the devil and defeat him for our own lives. C is what? Talk to me. C is what? P is what? And R is what? And when you fail (laughs) because you didn't rely and all of a sudden you sinned again, what do you have to do? Confess, pray, and maybe grab hold of some more scriptures or uh, pray to the Lord, make sure that I, I hang on to this scripture and use it next time. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I uh, have had the privilege of being a private pilot. And um, when you're a private pilot, I'm not current right now, but uh, when you, any other private pilots here, you know, little tiny planes, you know what I'm talking about, biannual flight reviews, all those things, you know what I'm talking about, yep, okay. Well, they take you up and they do these different procedures and make you, you have an instructor with you and he tries to work you through all these things and, you know, he uh, puts you through the ringers just to make sure you're not going to kill yourself or anybody else and uh, writes off on the fact you're still good to fly. Well, one time when I was going into uh, this uh, buying your flight review and was flying around and all of a sudden the engine stopped, which on a single engine airplane is a problem. You know, it's a problem on a dual engine too, but a single engine, it's a bigger problem. But one of the nice things about little Cessnas that I flew mostly, Cessna 172, 
uh, it's a nice glider too, and they teach you how to put it into a glide scope and how to look for a place to land and, uh, you know, go into a spiral and spiral down and land the plane. And so I went into emergency procedures, checked everything to make sure that I couldn't restart the engine. I couldn't restart the engine. I went into the spiral. I looked off in the distance and saw an, a, a runway that had an X on both ends. Now, if a runway has an X on both ends, you're not supposed to land there. But in, this, in an emergency, I, I think it'll be okay. And I said, hey, there's an, a deserted runway over there. You think I could shoot for that? He says, he better go for it. And so sure enough, I went over, spiraled over there, worked my way down, took my way over and landed that airplane on that uh, deserted runway and went, whew. And my instructor went, whew. And, and I said, he said, you did a great job, Carl. That, that was really great. Glad you got that plane down. And I said, well, thank you. But I said, there's nobody here. I don't, I don't see anybody. I, this was before the days of cell phones, you know, and I didn't see a phone booth anywhere. I said, I, I, said, I have no idea. What, what are we going to do? And he said, well, maybe if I turn the gas back on. <laughs> have any of you had a guy do that to you? I mean, I have had them where they spiral me down and then they, you know, they pull the power and then they, yeah, you see, they, I, I've never had this happen. I haven't had it happen since, praise the Lord. <laughs> but he had a toggle switch underneath his trainer seat on this plane where he could push it down and he could push it up. I'll guarantee you if I wouldn't have done that right, he would have been pushing that baby up. <laughs> but he turned the gas back on. We had power and we blew out of there. And uh, soared like eagles again. You know, I, I'm afraid some people have the power turned off. You know where the power, it's not in the fuel, it's not the gasoline for us as Christians. Where is it? In the Holy Spirit of God. Maybe today is the time for you to turn the power back on and be filled with the Spirit of God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?